How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Playful Podcast, your guide into the underground scene where we discover topics on kink and electronic music every week. Don't forget to subscribe to not miss out on our next episode. We're excited to be here today with Toronto-based DJ, rapper, songwriter, producer, activist and organizer of community events, Shippy Nonstop. In this conversation, we speak about what happened when she got deported from the US intercessions and what fuels her work for women and the LGBTQ community, as well as why she's scared that the techno scene is completely losing its roots, and so much more. Let's get it. I am Amanda, and this is Playful Podcast. For me, I think it's always important to all like keep go- understanding the roots of where the music came from and keep putting the pe- people on the pedestal that actually created the music because then it will never lose that energy or like the roots of where it came from. Thank you so much for coming. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. Um, If we would start right in, like how would you describe yourself if you were using three words? Okay, so what should I introduce myself now? Yeah, sure. <laughs> they are gonna know who you okay, are. Okay, but yeah, do it yeah. if you want. Okay, yeah. I guess I'm Chippy Nonstop. I'm a DJ. I produce and I do vocals and do a lot of community work with workshops and also events and stuff like that. Um, if I was well, if I was describing me right now, one word would be tired. But I mean, I think like it's hard to sum me down in three words for sure. But I would say 
I don't know. It's hard to say because I feel like it changes from year to year. And especially like I feel in the last like few years, I've like grown a lot. And I feel like the words have changed. And even the words that my friends would probably describe me as have probably changed. But I think maybe like confident is definitely one of them. Um, uh, another one. Oh, wait, can I cut, say bad words? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck, what would I say? Um, confident, um, passionate, and um, I don't know what the third one, tired. <laughs> I love that. But you also said you're pretty often tired. Yeah. Well, recently I've just been exhausted, but I'm trying to get my energy back up. After this next two weeks, I have a little bit less crazy schedule so I want to get my energy right after that but yeah good but you said it's been changing a lot since you were younger yeah so like because one thing we also just talked about when you arrived here was that you've been moving around like crazy like that's also part of your story yeah Uh, and you you were born in Dubai yeah well it's close to Dubai it I just say Dubai because it's easier for people to understand, but it's called Sharjah, mm. which is right next to Dubai, basically, oh, yeah. yeah. And then you lived in Zambia? And then we moved to Zambia. My dad worked for Lipton, like the tea company, oh. and like he had to transfer every three years to a new place. Yeah, and That's a lot of like people had to do that that worked at that company, like Unilever. Um, yeah, so he moved... He had to move every three years. And then he was getting, again, transferred to another place in Africa. And my mom was like, I don't want to be in Africa anymore. Because there would be, like, days that, like, we lived in Zambia. And there would be, like, days that, you know, like, there was a coup d'etat while we were there where the government was being overthrown. And, like, we couldn't go to school some days. And it was just, like, it was a good place for us to grow up because we had so much space and, like, you know, you're in Africa and like seeing so many different things in the world, but it was a good place to be at the time that I was, but my parents didn't want me to like, you know, be there like as I, we were getting, me and my brother were getting older. So, um, yeah, they didn't really know where to go. So my dad like quit his job and everything and was trying to figure out where to go and Canada was the option. And then, um, we went back to Dubai for a bit and he was just trying to figure out what to do and then he got an offer to move to America for his job so eventually we moved to America was which were my like more formative years because I moved there when I was around like 10 or 11. Oh right and then who were you as a teenager? Um yeah like I was very creative like um I did I loved like fashion and art and music I found like, I was all very online, like, perpetually online, like, I was, like, MySpace, like, famous, and then, like, later on Tumblr, like, I was very online, like, I would chat with everyone online, because I moved so much, like, I felt like my community was always, like, people online, because I could stay in touch with people that way, so it was, like, I always just had internet friends, like, all growing up because, yeah, it was just, like, a weird thing because when you move so much, it's hard to make friends, like, in different schools, like, from, and everyone has their, like, childhood friends that they grew up with and everyone's so close to each other. So, yeah, I would just have a lot of internet friends that I would always 
talk to and I feel like that was very that like informed my like life a lot yeah yeah would you say it also formed your musical expression somehow yeah definitely I mean like the way the way like I feel like I have no borders in my music like I feel like that's how my life how I felt in my life like everything kind of just like mixed together like I was so inspired by like a lot of Indian music because that's my upbringing and African music and then just like all different types of music from all around the world can come together and sound good together you know and I always felt like there was no borders in music and no borders in the world in my heart but eventually I realized that's not true that there's borders <laughs> in the world <laughs> but yeah Yeah, in my music I always felt like I can break like all boundaries and borders so yeah I think that really informed me I want to talk more about the border story (laughs) (laughs) yeah eventually I obviously realized that borders are real so yeah in a harsh way yeah Uh, but uh, how did it go from or like what was the first musical influences you got was that more so rap and hip-hop um I would say it was it was honestly like I even though I was like making a lot of like I I wouldn't even necessarily call it hip-hop like but like it I would rap on music but um the influences were still electronic music from the beginning like I always like listened to more electronic-y sounding music like um or the influences were always from that like one of my big influences in the beginning like when I was like older like and you know buying my own music and stuff like that um was like MIA and she was like one of the only you know or she was the only brown woman in the scene also so she was like a huge influence and her influence were also influences were also like kind of like borderless she was influenced by like Sri Lankan music Indian music African music looking back at all her old albums and stuff you know there was such a world influence and I think I really related to that because I had lived so many places and also I was you know a woman of color which was like rare in that space and then yeah so I was really influenced by her in my like like early teens yeah yeah does your parents also are they interested in music or well my dad like even till this day like my mom gets so annoyed like he's just blasting music all around the house all day like from every all kinds of different music from around the world and so he listens to a lot of music and I introduced him to like some techno too and like he was like listening to acid like this one acid dj pierre mix for like six months he it was on loop in our house like forever so like yeah he like he loves music and uh, my mom was a dance teacher growing up so she I loved dancing too and so I would go to all her like classes and I would like just sit there and watch and I would memorize the dances as a kid and my mom would be like how how did you memorize the whole dance like in your head like that so yeah like I grew up around a lot of like music and different things and all like all our cultures are like like all the cultures I've been around like Arab Indian African cultures are like the base of it is music you know and all celebrations you know you play so much music and yeah so every 
every situation, music was being played around the house, everywhere, um, any events, like all Indian events, like people are singing, dancing, things like that. So yeah, it was around a lot of music. <laughs> Did you always have somewhat of a self-confidence to do your thing and try new things and like be out there with it? Yeah, I would definitely say so. Like I, when people would come over like to my parents' house and stuff when we were growing up, like I would be doing little shows and things like that. So yeah, I always had the confidence um to just be out there, but it was weird cuz like I was all at the same time I was also kind of like I wouldn't say shy, but like keep kept to myself like at school and stuff. I wasn't like out there like talking to people and stuff like that I was more like in my own world but then I would go home like and be on the internet and be like talking to people but yeah like I wasn't really like very outgoing and stuff at school and things like that I didn't really feel like belonging in those spaces but then when I would I would go to a lot of concerts a lot of shows like a lot of festivals and just meet random people there But I, yeah, I didn't have like a very like, you know, a friend group at school and stuff. It was mostly like music friends when I, even when I was younger. All right. Yeah. Do you think it was because you knew you were gonna leave them and it would be tough or? Um, no, not necessarily. I just didn't connect with anyone unless I maybe was around like music stuff. I feel oh, like yeah. yeah, like I had one friend in school who was also like obsessed with music. And she would go to like every single concert, no matter what genre. And so like, she also introduced me to a lot of things. And this was like, when I was like, 13, 14. So this is but I left high school when I was 16. And you were yeah. in high school, school in, in California, in California was Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, but I left, yeah, I left really early. So I had a, like a group of friends that were like into fashion and music that were older than me. And they had gone off and moved to San Francisco, um, which is also in California, but it was still like far away from where I lived. It was like an eight hour drive. Um, and I was like, oh, they're leaving like I want to go to. So I graduated early and went to San Francisco and I worked at like a magazine and I was uh, covering music like and I was still under like I was young, like to go out and. America you have to be 21 right yeah so like yeah I was just lying like everywhere and like on all my like resumes and like getting jobs at like magazines and getting like free tickets to go to shows because I also didn't have any money to go to shows to like um cover them <laughs> and I was like like I was actually writing for a magazine about music and then I started writing for like a newspaper about music just to so I could get into shows for free So and, perfect. Yeah, so this is like when I was like 16, 17. Wow. Yeah. You were just 17. out there. Yeah, I was out. <laughs> yeah, and then you moved to LA? Yeah, well, so the Bay Area, like Oakland, San Francisco, is like very culturally diverse, which is like where I also like learned so much about music. Like punks would hang out with ravers, would hang out with people who are making hip hop, like everyone would hang out with each other and you could go to a rave and there'll be like a punk band playing in the beginning and then there'll be like a rapper playing later and then it turns into like a techno rave at, in the evening and it would be like in a broken down like 
a like haunted mansion looking place that's like abandoned or like it would be in a parking lot with like abandoned boats and just like and it was just like very punk like you know every everything about the bay area culture was very punk like even if it was playing electronic music the energy was punk you know yeah so like I feel like that also like influenced me so much like just being like you know fuck the rules like you know fuck like feeling go like be punk you know basically so that informed me a lot and yeah so a lot of my I feel like energy and the way I like mix or like play music or think about music also comes from the feeling of like punk culture yeah yeah and that's something people still like today connect a lot with also the electronic especially techno yeah. part of the scene but yeah. um but then you moved from LA to Toronto oh, yeah. what yeah. happened <laughs> okay yeah so then I was like in LA and while I was in LA I was I was mostly songwriting for other people. I wasn't even making that much of my own music because I just needed money, like, at this point. And um, I was in in the in L.A., like, you kind of just, like, you meet people and you kind of just fall into doing whatever the situation is. Like, I would be, like, I, I was dancing on stage, like, just at a party or whatever, and I met, like, I met someone who worked for Diplo, And they had known me because I was on the internet on Twitter, just like aggressively <laughs> tweeting. And so they know me, knew me like from online. And then they were like, oh, you know, like come to the studio, like make some songs. Like and I like didn't even really know how to make like I had made songs on like GarageBand or whatever at home. But I'm still young at this point. I don't know that much. How old are you at this point? I think maybe like about like 20 mm. yeah 19 I'm I'm 31 now so yeah um but yeah I had put out music already at this point like I had an EP and it was it had a song called kicked out the club on it and it was like the breakthrough song on the project <laughs> but yeah it wasn't like huge or anything but like it went like it got like a lot of like views on tumblr and things but yeah like people were kind of like gaining in or like taking influences from it because it was a mix of like a hip-hop record but all the beats like kind of sat were pretty electronic and I like like one of the songs was like a Jersey Club like vibe another like a lot of the songs one of the songs I was like screaming and I had like metal like on it like it was it was random but it, it made sense um so yeah it was like a lot of people I think on the internet were like listening to it but not it wasn't getting like mainstream attention or anything um but yeah like because of that project I was like getting hit up by a bunch of like random people to get on their songs and then also um there was a producer in LA that wanted to steal like one of the melodies from my songs for one of their bigger artists oh yeah and then so but the artist actually ended up knowing me Like, we knew each other because we had, like, partied together or something. And she was like, oh, no, I'm not I'm not going to steal from her. Let's fly her out and have her write on the record. So, luckily, it was a person I knew and someone that's an amazing person. So, um, they're not, like, in the industry anymore. So, I don't want to, like, say their name. But, yeah, so, anyway, um, yeah, I started, like, 
writing a lot of music for other people and I kind of stopped making anything for myself. Oh, yeah, okay. It was a good a money or um it was okay. It was good money for me or mm-hmm. I thought but like now when I look back at it I was getting taken advantage of because oh, yeah. I didn't know anything. Um but yeah, like for me at that time it was more than I had ever made. So mm. it was good money for me at the time. And then, yeah, I was working in L.A. for a while, and then basically I, I, I got a show in Japan, and I was like, oh, I like Japan was like one of the places I wanted to go for like ever, and I was like, oh, I'm so excited, yeah, like I'm dying to go to Japan. I go to, I go to, I go to a few places in Asia that trip, and then on my way back, I go, I'm entering back to LAX, and I get put into detainment. Um, because there's an issue with my visa, which I, like, didn't know. Like, I didn't understand. Like, I didn't even understand that I wasn't American fully. No, your parents were still living there? Yeah, my parents still live there. Mm. And, like, I mean, I knew that I didn't have, like, an American passport, but I thought, like, every all the paperwork was together enough for me to be able to be in America, Mm. you know? And but since I moved there since or since I lived there since I was 10 years old, like I wasn't in charge of my paperwork. You know what I mean? So, yeah, when I got into LAX there, I got put into a room and they didn't tell me anything. It was like kind of like it was just like a white room with like one little like creaky bed and like an itchy blanket and like like, a prison. Yeah, basically. And there was like a broken tv screen like that was all that was in the room and it wasn't it wasn't even like a new tv it was like one of those like really old ones mm-hmm. and it was just like in the corner like and and they didn't tell you why you were there at, at first they don't tell you anything <gasps> so i was sitting in the room for and they take away everything from you like i you like if i had shoelaces they take your shoelaces off oh, yeah. like because they think you're gonna like hang yourself in the room <laughs> and like i had a hoodie they take the string off the hoodie they take all your luggage they took all your credit cards all your money all your everything your phone you can't tell anyone where you're at or anything um but i did like i saw my phone sitting in the hallway and i like went to the bathroom and i grabbed my phone from the hallway and then I hid under the blankets and it was like texting and then very I, cheeky <laughs> yeah but I got in trouble oh no. like immediately <laughs> they obviously have cameras everywhere they knew Fuck. what happened but I but I was able to text at least like ever, like my parents and stuff to say like like looks like I'm stuck here you know and yeah and then so basically I was in that detainment room for hours and I was just, like, in the worst, like, I was in the worst space ever in that room. I was, like, hysterical, crying, like, I was, like, panicking. I didn't know what anything was going on. And then they kept bringing me back and forth from that room to another room to ask me questions. And, like, my last tweet, like, they had seen it. They were, like, oh, do you do drugs or anything? And I was, like, no. And then they were, like, well, that's funny because your last tweet is that you just did acid in Japan. (laughs) And I was like, oh, it's just my persona. Like, it's not true. I didn't do acid in Japan. And you can't even, like, drug test for acid. You know, it doesn't come up in your system. So I was like, no, there, I, didn't, I didn't do any acid in Japan. It's just, like, a, a part of my persona. 
intimate persona. Yeah. yeah, and they were like, they were like, okay, and they were like younger guys, so they weren't dumb. Like, and the, but they were like kind of like trolling me, like pulling up my music videos, like watching them in front of me, and like laughing and stuff like that. Yeah, and they were like, yeah, it was it was horrible. Like humiliating. Yeah, you. it's like humiliating, and they keep bringing you back and forth, and just to like I. I don't know, like, torture you, basically, like, because they can make a quicker decision, like, you know, they could have told me, so, like, basically what happened, I got kicked out and banned from America for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's so rough. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And they could have told me, like, earlier on, like, I think I was there for, like, 72 hours for no reason. Like, they could have told me, like, within the first few hours that, because they knew that I wasn't gonna, like, gonna go back so yeah I went to Vancouver in Canada because I was like what is the closest like English-speaking place I can go to so I don't have to like deal with I can explain to them when I get there if I went to Mexico you know like it, who knows what the situation could have been so yeah I went to Vancouver all alone to like suddenly you are kicked out yeah in the most brutal way it's- yeah and you can't go back to get any of your possessions or anything you just have to like whoa yeah you have you're gone so yeah so and like even when you're leaving that room like you a policeman walks you like everywhere around the airport they walk you onto the plane the policeman has to walk you on the plane so everyone's staring at you like who is this criminal (laughs) you know like and you literally feel like like you're like I'm like am I a terrorist like you know I'm like I I wasn't gonna run off the plane at this point like and this guy's like just standing there like they walk you directly onto your right to your seat what an identity crisis yeah it was insane and like and this but the my delusion the whole time like I was like oh I'll be back in a week like yeah. I wasn't, I because I, your parents is, are there, your family, your friends. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, everyone. It's just your all your things. Everything like it must have been a mistake. I mean, I would have thought the same thing. I was like, oh, I'll be back next week. Like it's fine. Like and also they don't tell you all the. And I didn't know that I was banned for ten years when I left. I found that out because I called lawyers and stuff when I left. Yeah, but I had no idea. And when I got to. Um, when I got to Vancouver, like, I didn't know where to stay or anything, so I, like, posted on Twitter, like, anyone in Vancouver, <laughs> like, and I actually did get, meet, like, some amazing people there, like, one of my best friends till this day lives there, and she helped me out a lot, I, like, stayed at her and her mom's house so for a while. you knew her through Tumblr? I didn't know her, but um, sh- we had mutual friends, or someone from Twitter introduced me to her. Thank God, internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I didn't know her personally. At the time, but we had a lot of mutual friends. Yeah. So, so yeah, I went to Vancouver was where... And then I I kind of hated it there. I was DJing a lot when I first got there because it's a quick way of making money. And I knew how to DJ, but it wasn't my, like, thing, you know? So this is in 2015. Um, and, like, but it was very, like broy there like everyone that played in the clubs that they've been playing there for like 20 years they have residencies and they play the same set every week (laughs) like you know and it's like it's like you know it'll be like a reggae night and it'll be like some white guy 
playing like reggae and he's been the resident there for 20 years you know and it it's just like oh it was very God. like it would be like a Beyonce night and some 40 year old ball guy DJing I'm like mm. what is happening here oh my God. they had no they were so lazy yeah it was like very like like that so when I got there I was like mm, this I don't know how long I can be here for and um I went to Europe for a while and then I went back and I, that that's when I, um, me and a few friends started Intercessions, ah. which is the workshop series. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Before, I want to hear more about <laughs> that too. But yeah. before uh, that, what would you say takes for you to feel at home in a city? Um, I mean, definitely community is like the most, one of the most important things for me. Like mm. having like a group of friends with like mutual like ways or like the similar mindset and the ways we look at the world and life like I feel like that's the most not the regular dude (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly that's probably the most important and people that understand like you know your understand your values and like who you are as a person and you understand who they are because you have some maybe similar upbringings or similar perspectives of way of looking at life so I think the community aspect is like probably number one for me which is why nightlife was like so important for me because that's where I probably or like you know music spaces was where I meet you know my people so yeah like going into a lot of those spaces I was like what is this this is not like what I'm used to um so yeah but that's why like I decided to throw or run those workshops with one of or like three of my friends. Okay, yeah. let's get to to that part. Yeah. So what's kind of what's what started the fuel behind it, and what was the whole? Um. So I had this friend named Marie, and we we both were just like kind of sick of Vancouver and like how it was run. It was very like kind of like mafia mentality. Like one guy, like one company owns all the clubs and they control all the bookings. And, like, if you try to do your own booking, they'll, you know, try to hit up the person and tell them they'll pay them more. So they'll, like, kind of interfere with the booking. So you basically couldn't create an underground space or, like, it was pretty difficult to create an underground space. So we had a friend who hit us up and was like, I have a space if you guys want to do anything. And we were just, like, kind of defeated from, like, doing events because... We just didn't know, like, if it would be, like, interfered with or, like, this, that would happen. And I was like, yeah, like, I want to do something. And it was, like, a space for, like, uh, it was a queer-run space for, like, anything we could do, they would give us. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? 
Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. The space for free. Um, and I was like, yeah, like I want to do something, but I don't think a party is the right thing. And then I was like, you know, maybe we could do like workshops or panels or something like that. And we kind of were like talking about it. And I like I don't think I was in a space to like teach people how to DJ yet. So like I had a few friends that were like, oh, we're interested too. Like maybe we can do DJ workshops and we can get more, you know, women, people of color, queer people into this space. So like there's power in numbers and everyone can start like, you know, kind of like pushing and doing our own events. Because if it's only like a few of us just trying to do this, it's not going to work. So yeah, like we created the space, started doing these workshops. And yeah, like it just was even just the first one, the energy was like amazing. Like the diversity of the people and just like the people that were interested. I didn't even know that those people even lived in Vancouver, you know? Yeah. So I was like shocked with the diversity of everyone who was there and the people that I was meeting. And I was, it would just excited me for like making a difference in the community. And like now if you go to Vancouver, like there's actually a lot of really cool female DJs and also a lot of queer people that are throwing events there. There's a party called Normie Corp. I don't know, like, obviously I'm not taking all credit for what has happened there, but it is, it has been, like, a really big difference since I was last there. So it's pretty amazing. And then when I moved to Toronto, because I still didn't feel like I could do as much as I wanted to do in Vancouver, and I honestly needed money at that point, and Vancouver is so expensive, like, Really? Yeah, Toronto's also expensive, but Vancouver is like insanely expensive. And I was just like, I just need to go somewhere more diverse and where I could like survive, <laughs> basically, in Canada. Um, so yeah, I moved to Toronto, and the workshops were kind of like blowing up. Like we were get like I was able to do start doing them in Toronto. Got all the big bigger like women DJs that were there who taught at the workshops because each city I go to I get like like I pick like a few people that I know that are like in the community and interested in doing work in the community and 
at first like people were just like willing to volunteer but then we started getting like pretty big like sponsorships and I was able to like pay all the teachers like really well um yeah and ended up like being pretty solid and I like toured with it I did it like I did in Berlin actually at um I think it was the tractor office yeah like the tractor offices so I don't know it was like yeah so I did in Berlin I did with SoundCloud I did with a bunch of different companies I did in London so I was able to like tour it and do it everywhere in the community that it created you're a freaking force yeah whoa yeah it just it took took a life of its own honestly like the community it created was insane like and I never like I I like I never felt that like feeling like everyone was just like so grateful and was like you know just even like the teachers were like oh my god like you know I love DJing but the impact that this is making when I when I'm able to like teach and like see like the excitement on someone's face even when they just do one blend like it sounds like a little thing but like you're helping someone find their you know journey and passion maybe like impact more people in the world and make a little bit of a difference in the way that they can yeah, speaking of, like, this. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, if you look at the kind of um, electronic music slash techno side of the scene yeah. now, why would you say that it's still important to lift women and people from the LGBTQ plus community? Um, I mean, well, like, starting, I guess, like, from even just, like, the history of the music that you're playing you know the complexity of the music where it came from where techno came from you know like a lot of people who take advantage of techno music and make tons and tons of money from techno music don't pay attention to the complexity of where it came from and the people who are you know making the most money from this music aren't speaking on the issues of the the place where the music came from, you know? And I feel like if you put the people on a... Like, if you put women, if you put uh, queer people, people of the LGBTQ community, black people, in the places that they should be, you know, where they deserve to be because it's their music if you put them on the pedestal that they deserve to be on, they will speak on behalf of where the music came from versus it turns into, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like everything obviously is built on capitalism. Like we're, people are going to make money off of it. But if you put the right people on the pedestal, they will help it have longevity and create, make a, or have a voice for the correct people, you know? And if you put the wrong people on the pedestal, um, then the shit will just get diluted, diluted, diluted until it's where how EDM is now, you know, for example. So like it will just turn into a mass money making machine of a thing. So like for me, when I get to a certain point, like I'm like, you know, like I have this pedestal, like I'm going to be a voice for people people who don't have a voice for but a lot of you know a lot of straight cis white men they get to this position and they're not speaking on behalf of anyone 
They're not standing up for anyone. And it's just like kind of convenient that they're the people making the most money off of something they didn't even create. And then they're not even being a voice for where it came from. So for me, I think it's always important to all like keep go understanding the roots of where the music came from and keep putting the pe- people on the pedestal that actually created the music because then it will never lose that energy or like the roots of where it came from. Boom! Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, yeah. I'm going to continue, but I just <laughs> loved that so much. We have now come to the part of the podcast where you, where if you are or want to become a Patreon and support the work that we do as well as get more juicy material, go to patreon.com slash playfulmagazine. In this extra material, Shippy Nonstop speaks about her view on goal setting and how she works with that, as well as how she finds inspiration and the process from start to finish track and much more. Go to patreon.com slash playfulmagazine. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. It means so much. Um... And then we were just uh, speaking on, which I was thinking was a little bit of a fun connection to this, yeah. because you just said before that you were one of the most hated people in the scene. <laughs> you were like, I, mean, I was like, I heard so many nice things about you. You were like, really? <laughs> I'm like one of the most hated people in the scene. Well, I mean, I if you like I was saying before, if you talk to real people that actually know me and that have conversations with me, I feel like they would have a different opinion, but. Yeah, obviously, obviously, like, I was a disruptor in the scene, like, I was doing, I'm, I mix, like, every genre into each other, which is, like, crazy, <laughs> like, you know, so that's one thing, and also, I'm, I, I do, like, party really hard, and, like, sometimes it, it gets out of hand, for sure, like, I've definitely made mistakes, and, You know, like, also when you, like, first come, first, like, are starting to tour so much, you don't realize the impact it makes on your, like, mind and your mental health. And, like, and also, like, I'm also so used to being in queer spaces and in spaces where if something goes wrong with me or something's happening, I have a community to help me or take care of me if I'm ever in a situation So I never, like, before when I was touring, I would, you know, like, if I get too fucked up or whatever, like, I always had someone who had my back because we all, it was more of, like, a community feeling. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm touring in these big spaces, mostly I would say straight, like, the audience, mostly I would say white, the community feeling isn't really there. So I only have my own back when I'm in these spaces. So I it's taken me a while to come to that realization. So I kind of like, you know, have hit like places where I'm like, oh shit, like I can't drink anymore. Like I was when I was touring or like, I can't do drugs like when I was touring before or whatever. So I'm trying to find that balance now. Um, But yeah, so obviously I've made mistakes. So there's some hatred that's maybe worthy, (laughs) but like, There's obviously, like, I think, like, a lot of black, brown, queer artists in this space are unjustly, like, judged because the way they mix is different and also the genres and the creativity where they're coming from is not, like, yeah, they come from a different background and I think 
a lot of the audience just wants to hear a formula. Yeah, you also mentioned Patrick Mason, LSD, yeah. and yeah, it just says something about yeah. it. I mean, anyone that is a disruptor in the scene is going to have some, you know, like, words being said about them, but um, I think, like, also the impact is bigger when you are a disruptor, so, like, you know, like, with Patrick Mason, LSDXOXO, like, even if people are saying certain things like if you're gonna look back at history you'll see the impact that they made versus people who followed a formula yeah yeah for sure okay do you have any fears for the future of the scene growing and the you know people being more and more engaged yeah um, yeah, I have a fear, like I said, that it will get diluted, diluted, and the where it comes from will be forgotten, which is what happens with a lot of things um, in history, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I do fear that, um, like, my goal is just to put, like, you know, black techno artists into spaces that they deserve to be in, and, like, if I'm getting a pedestal, like, at, at, for the privileges that I do have, then that would be my goal. Um, but yeah, like, honestly, it's gonna happen. Like, with every industry, it gets it gets to that point. And it's already there. Like, even like, a few days ago, I was like, Oh, am I just like, losing a little bit of love for it? Because it's turned into this machine. And like, I don't feel as connected, because I'm just going playing making the money and leaving like I was like I don't want to lose that feeling like so even when I go back home like I'll throw a free rave like under a bridge or like I'll play a free party for like an underground event or something like that or like you know we'll do a thing where all the money goes to charity or something like that and like also with intercessions I haven't been able to do it as much because I've been so busy but yeah like I just don't want to lose that love because the scene turns into takes a life of its own you know yeah but yeah like I try I try to like you know realize like what is actually important and it's like you know it's not like making a shitload of money from it and like trying to but at the end of the day like you have to survive and the world is, is expensive so I have a hard time finding that balance like mm. between like oh, I have to tour 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 to survive with like big money and I also still want the scene to, like, actually be grounded, you know? Yeah, so it's like a hard... to the, like, to its, from its roots up. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard space to be in. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say, because I, I feel that we have been speaking a lot about your... Uh, challenges in yeah. the scene and how they have shaped you yeah. is there anything you feel that I have that we have you want to mention about that more um yeah I guess like you know like a lot of, everyone's like wants to say like oh because you're like a spokesperson for like queer people a spokesperson for women a spokesperson for brown people you're getting these opportunities because you're that and I think, like, a lot of the times I see, like, conversation about this online, like, oh, you're only there 
because of that. And I was like, I'm only one, like, I'm only one person. I've also been doing this for 12 years. And I just started touring like this much in the last two years, you know? And, um, so I think, or like two, three years, but I think like a lot of people want to say, oh, you're only this space because of this and that and that. But how many, you know, white men are in the space? How many white women are in the space? How many non, like, how many straight people are in the space? No one's ever saying, oh, they got there because they're the, the, they're a white guy, you know, like, but it's like, because one person made it out to be a little bigger than the rest of the people, like, you're saying, oh, you're only there because you're this person's, you know, Mm. you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think it's like a lot of, I always see that dialogue about me online and it's, that's a little bit frustrating because it's like, no, like if a person of color is where they're at, if a, if a black person, a queer person is where they're at, it's because they worked hard to get there. So, yeah. So yeah, that's one thing that really frustrates me that I always see online. I'm like, don't worry, like all these people that are like, I'm sorry to mention Patrick Mason again, but he's been doing this forever, like for a really long time. He just like, you know, like rebranded a bit with the extravaganza like situation. People want to mock that type of energy, but like he also got there because of that. And the people were the people brought him to there, you know, like, I'm always like, oh, people are always like hating on us for where we're, where we got, but it's like, who got us there? The audience. So it's like, you obviously, yeah, there's obviously work behind it. Yeah. And (laughs) people are triggered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just keep on triggering, please. We want to see more. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, like, I really wanted to come on here and actually speak because, like, I feel like I've been, like, pushing a lot of my, like, voice down since I've, like, entered a bigger space. Um, And I I was, like, I didn't want to talk, but, like, I feel like I can't say something online, like, and and not have the full context of the situation because, like, everyone's gonna blah 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 you know so like I really wanted I'm like grateful that for you to have me here to speak on I a am lot of, so grateful yeah no but to have you thank you but yeah because I did want like a longer like kind of platform to kind of speak and have context and like explain certain things um yeah and the people who aren't gonna listen aren't gonna listen to this so <laughs> So sometimes I do feel like I'm speaking to the same audience that I would speak to. I don't think so. Yeah. But like, you know, like if someone sees an interview of me, they'll be like, oh, we're not going to click on her because like. (laughs) The people who um, know, but I mean, there are still some new people who can still be influenced. Yeah. Hopefully. I think. I, I hope for that. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. I yeah. have, we have now come to a little this or that part okay, of the interview. Okay. It's either this or it's that. This is this or that. Night in or night out? <laughs> That's so hard. <laughs> um, I'll say night out. Yeah, yeah. I'll say non stop. Yeah. <laughs> introvert or extrovert? C 
See, these are so hard because I could be both. But I would say extrovert because, like, I find it easy to talk to people. Mm. Um, but it depends who. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay, but on you, when you are... Uh, when I'm in a social situation, I I'm comfortable. You're comfortable yeah. and it doesn't drain you? No. No? All right. Yeah. Uh, wine or beer? Tequila. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Tequila is your go-to. Yeah. Do you feel that you get energized by it? Or what is yeah. the... F- like, it's the feeling you get from it? Or yeah, like... Uh, yeah, the feeling. Yeah. yeah it wakes, say it wakes me up. <laughs> okay, but can I ask? Do you get the same feeling uh, from mezcal? Yeah, I love mezcal. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I love. I'm. I'm. My parents live in Mexico now, actually. So I spend a lot of time in Mexico. Um. So yeah, I drink a lot of mezcal and tequila when I'm there, and it's the only thing my parents also drink, really. So okay. <laughs> they don't it's drink a, a lot. Yeah, they don't drink a lot. My both my parents like will have one drink a month or something like that, but they'll have like a mezcal, like or a. Uh, margarita with tequila margarita heaven best drink in history yeah exactly (laughs) psychology or spirituality Mm, maybe spirituality or that's so hard i feel like i like both okay i'll say spirituality for yeah that's what i'm feeling right now yeah yeah (laughs) how do you uh in what way would you say well my mom's now like i told you she's a um She was a dance teacher when I was younger, but she's a yoga teacher. Like, she's been doing yoga her whole life. And I think a lot of, like, the things that she passed down to me about, like, your your mind um, are based on spirituality and, and, like, finding your inner self and your own calm and within you. So I feel like I, yeah, I was, I think I'm, I live life on that when I'm on the right path. <laughs> do you do yoga? I, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I used to hate it as a kid, but because my mom did it, and yeah. it's like you hate everything your parents do, you know. But um, yeah, now I love it, and I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like every- when I can. Yeah, yeah. When I, it's obviously it's been hard the last few months because I've been touring like aggressively. <laughs> yeah, do you just do some uh, upward facing dog in the hotel? Yeah, room? like in the hotel room, I'll just do a little, a few poses. Like I'll try to meditate at least 10 minutes in the morning to like get my energy right mm. and not be in bad moods. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Great. Yeah. All right. Eminem or Skrillex? Skrillex. <laughs> yeah. Why? Actually, I played back to back with Skrillex for like. I mean, he's he plays back to back a lot of people, but if, like a few uh, months ago or last year, um, I was I was in London and he was DJing this thing, and I hadn't seen him in years because I but I lived in LA for a long time, and Skrillex and Diplo were like people who'd show up at every party kind of vibe at that point when I was there. So he saw me, and then we ended up playing back to back, like going to his. Uh, Airbnb and they had like a slide inside of his Airbnb there was a literal slide and this down vi- to the other floor or where did you come it, yeah from upstairs down to, <laughs> to downstairs 
And I was with VTSS and him and a few other people. And she actually filmed a video of like me DJing. And she comes like down the slide from behind me. And me and Skrillex are like DJing. Please send it. We need yeah. this video. I'll send it. I think it's on TikTok. It was, it's like last year. <laughs> so fun. Okay, yeah. we need that to cut this in the video material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, white toast or sourdough bread? I love bread, but I have I think I have white toast right now. So white No toast. Oh toast. <laughs> I thought you said white toast. I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well sourdough. Sourdough, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that is so funny. Yeah, I you have good nails bad. everywhere. Like yeah. <laughs> good nails or bad nails? I'm kidding. <laughs> Tinder? Tinder or random meeting in the bar? I don't use Tinder at all. Like I've never met anyone from Tinder. So probably random meeting. But also I'd never random meet either. Like I feel like I all I mean I feel like yeah, I guess I maybe meet at parties and stuff, but it's always like mutual situations. You like, know someone. Yeah. I like I, Yeah, like I never like yeah, never I guess I like I've hooked up with people randomly at like places, but it's always someone I kind of know. All right. Yeah. Maybe that's your thing. Like you need someone to, to feel like, you know, like we got common grounds. <laughs> yeah. Like I, yeah, I feel weird like meeting up with complete randoms that I have nothing in common with. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Documentary or crap TV? Well, is reality show. Is that's re- crap TV. Okay. Crap TV. I love reality TV. Yes. I'm, I watch so much. It's like embarrassing. Like I'm watching Love Island right now. Ooh. I didn't yeah is it good is it worth this it this season is really juicy like the cast is like pretty unhinged <laughs> but and then there's another show that I was like obsessed with that just finished called Vanderpump Rules and Vanderpump is it the yeah. the Lisa, Lisa Vanderpump yeah it's like about the people that used to work at her restaurant oh I heard about yeah, this some crazy drama just happened because like one of the couples who's been together since the show started um He cheated on his girl that they've been together for like 10 years. He cheated on his girl with her best friend. I just remember uh, Beverly Hills uh, and when uh, when there was this waitress. Yeah, that's the, she's from Vanderpump. That it's this one again going round, but it's a different girl. Ah, it's a different girl. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought her again. No, no, no. She's a good. She's a good one now. She's a good one. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but she looked sweet. I always thought like, ah, maybe she's not aware. Yeah, she was. She wasn't. But she it's wasn't a, it's a really good show. It's so good. It's so. Where do you watch it? Um. Well, I have a subscription for oh, this. Okay. Fair enough. But it's called Ooh. Hey You, and it has every reality show on it. Okay. Like every single one. Protect. But it's like it's like five dollars a month. Mm, yeah. That's so worth it's it. Really cheap. Should exchange my Netflix for that. Honestly, it's amazing. It has every single reality show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, skip the line or wait patiently. Skip the line. <laughs> All right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate waiting in line. I would rather just not go. Yeah. I would leave like or sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I see. Uh, Netflix or YouTube? YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. You yeah. were up all night watching YouTube. Yeah, I lo- I watch a lot of things on YouTube. I watch a lot of podcasts and 
stuff. Yeah. YouTube is great. It's still yeah. getting better and better the more you watch it because they know exactly what you want. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I don't, on Netflix, like, I mean, I like Netflix, but I think if I had to, if you were to tell me you can't have Netflix and you can only have YouTube or Netflix, I would say YouTube for sure. Yeah, same. Yeah. Teaching others or being taught? I like teaching. <laughs> yeah. Last one. Ayahuasca or silent retreat? Mm. I've never done ayahuasca and I've been to a silent retreat before and I really want to do ayahuasca. I my yeah, I've been to a 10-day silent retreat once. 10 days? Yeah. My god, how was it? The first 3 days are like torture or like yeah, but after that it like I also, it's, like, it was a really intense one. Like, basically, like, you would get, like, you would have to wake up every day at, like, 4.30 in the morning, and you sleep at, like, 7, and it you only have liquids to eat. You don't have any, You're so hungry. Yeah, and you don't have anything quiet. solid. And you meditate, like, five or six hours a day or something like that. I can't remember exactly. I went a few years ago, and I, when I left, I felt amazing, but I was on a tour, like, so I was completing a tour at the end, so I, like, ruined everything by, by the what? end of that tour. But did you but, feel productive after it? Yeah, like, everything, I felt amazing, like, my body felt amazing, my skin felt amazing, like, hopefully, I'm thinking when I have some time off, I want to do it again. It's brave. But yeah, it's, it's hard, it's hard, but it, you really get in touch with yourself. Um, so yeah wow I like like it but I do want to do ayahuasca like I me and my best friend who lives in Portugal like we've been trying to plan to do it but both our schedules have been crazy but yeah you have to take like a good chunk of time off to do that yeah I guess you want to do the whole like 10 days again ayahuasca yeah like I want to have the whole like I want to go to Peru and have the whole like experience oh my god you're in for the intense (laughs) lifestyle yeah I'm very in like I like very extreme situations yeah Yeah, I feel you (laughs) all right thank you so so much we have I'm going to give you a hug. Thank you uh, so much. Yeah, I know. Thank you. This was it for Playful Podcast this week. But please follow, subscribe and listen to our next episode. And if you want to have a say about future artists or even ask your own question to one of our guests, follow us on Instagram and make sure to add your question when we lift our coming guests. Thank you so much for joining and see you next week. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormal 
abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.